1: foolishness that is extremely wise next on abounding grace with pastor gary wagner Welcome to this edition of Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner, the ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. If you'll join us today, we continue with our examination of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, man's wisdom versus the wisdom of God. That's the whole focus of our time today as we begin to understand just how wise our God really is and how foolish we end up looking. And that brings in the mercy and grace of God at the end of the day, which is really showcased for us here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Won't you join us with this edition of Abounding Grace? Here's Pastor Gary Wagner.
2: Now what is Greek philosophy? What is humanism? The ultimacy of man. The only way you can get get a handle on life, the only way you can really know yourself, they say, is through reason, experience, and intuition but not from the revealed Word of God found only in the Bible. You see, the modern humanism humanist, just like the Greek humanist, blindly believes that man has within himself the ability to determine good and evil, truth and error for himself without any help from God. In fact, modern humanists today believe that the verbal revelation of God is an impossibility. It is not only that they don't believe it, but they say it cannot happen. God cannot speak to man because to them, if God spoke to man about the basic issues of life, that would destroy the ultimacy of man. He would no longer be true man if there was a God speaking out of the heavens. Because to be true man is to strive toward being a god and towards using self as the final authority on what is truth and the final determiner of good and evil. So modern humanism, as ancient humanism, lives in a closed universe that shuts God out. Because if God exists, true man would be destroyed. There was something else about modern humanism, and that is that they allow for man to critique, evaluate, and judge anything God professes to do or say to this culture. And if God doesn't meet their standards of evaluation, and if the Bible doesn't fit and bow before their bar of reason, it, of course, can't be true. It's interesting what humanism does. Humanism, on one hand, says God cannot speak. And yet, on the other hand, humanism says if the Bible claims that God speaks, then it must fit in with the way I think, and it must submit to my reason and my experience. And if it doesn't, it can't be true. You've probably heard unbelievers say, especially if you've ever backed one into a corner, That something simply can't be true, therefore it isn't true. It doesn't fit into their reasoning, so it can't be true. And one of the most conspicuous instances is the law of God. When a Christian is in a debate or running for a political office, and they say they believe every jot and tittle of the law of God is applicable today, they meet with a stream of criticism. And this is the way that criticism goes. They would take a law, for example, from the Old Testament, like an incorrigible young adult who gives himself to drunkenness and rebellion. Scripture says... He should be tried by the civil court, and if found guilty, be put to death. Now here is the way they take that passage of Scripture to argue against the applicability of all of God's law. Well, that simply can't be just. Therefore, it's not applicable. That can't be fair to put to death an incorrigible young adult who has simply abandoned himself to rebellion. That can't be just. Therefore, it is not just. And that's the way they argue. Because they assume their mind is the final standard by which they distinguish truth from error. Now, what is the goal of ancient humanism? What's the goal of modern humanism? Well, it's twofold. Number one, to create a utopia on earth. You listen to those people who believe in the ultimacy of man, who believe that man has the ability to determine the good and evil for himself. And you'll find out, one way or another, their goal is for a new world order. A world free of ignorance, injustice, and disease. A world free from work, war, deformities, national boundaries, and a world free from biblical, fundamental, evangelical, orthodox, theonomic Christianity. That's their utopia. And except for a couple of those ideas, that's our goal as well. But the point is, the humanist believes in the ultimacy of man and that man is capable of bringing about a problem-free world. That's their political goal. I'm sure you've had a chance recently to listen to many candidates' rhetoric. See how many of them are utopian. See how many of them base their systems of beliefs on the ultimacy of man. And when they believe in the ultimacy of man and that the universe is closed to God, they have one goal, and that is to create a heaven here on earth without God. And when you listen carefully to those candidates who claim to be of Christ and watch the implementation of their programs, you'll see no difference between their goals and the humanists. Instead of glorifying God through the application of His law, they are glorifying man by implementing man's nationalistic goals of a man-centered empire. And you need look no further for an example of this than he that sits in the Oval Office today. The humanists have a second goal. And in my opinion, this is a deliberate self-conscious goal. Modern humanists, as well as ancient Greek philosophers, have a great longing in their hearts to be as God. Paul Sartre said, to be a man, by definition, means to reach toward being God. And today, if you read much of the secularists, you'll find that men of science and technology, men of cultural power and men of extraordinary wealth, are openly talking about playing God and about recreating this world in which there is no room for the God of the Bible to act or to speak. I recently read an article by someone who was defending democracy as we have it here in America over Christians being involved in politics. And he was trying to impress his readers with the rule of the majority and how one can force their opinion, how no one can force their opinion over that majority. He said, in an American democracy, we not even, not even God can impose his will. So you see, the humanist's ultimate goal is to banish God and replace him with collective man. Now, there are three basic steps the humanists have to achieve their ultimate goal of world dominion. To build a heaven on earth, to dethrone God, and to place themselves on that throne. You need to watch for these things, because they are subtle. They can be made to sound so appealing and so desirable, such as a world free from disease and free from hunger. Now there are also three basic strategies by which the humanist today tries to reach these goals. Number one, global and biological engineering. Control of the weather, control of the birth rate, control of death, genetic manipulation, test tube babies, stem cell research and expect to see more and more global and biological engineering as the humanists attempt to reach their goal of a one-world government where man is God. There is a second aspect to their strategy, and that is sociological transformation. Mind control and brainwashing, which are accomplished basically in two ways, through the media and education. The media today with its newspeak and federally controlled education along with, unfortunately, many so-called Christian schools are used to brainwash the populace in an attempt to control their minds so they never think in terms of a sovereign God but instead think in terms of a sovereign state. And brother, that is not an exaggeration and it is not by chance our children in public schools today, and all of us who listen to status news sources such as CBS, ABC, NBC, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, Time, Newsweek, New York Times, San Francisco Chronicle, the McClatchy News Service, the Mercury News Service, etc., etc., are being brainwashed so that the humanness goal can be reached. And let me give you an example. The news media is going to find things to criticize Christians. And if any of you are reading my emails, you know that's taking place. And they are either going to make things up or find half-truths that can manipulate, that can be manipulated for their agenda to make us look like bumbling fools. And what's the effect? The average person thinks you're a great neighbor. But he's going to do everything he can to keep you from having any say or power in the public arena. The media uses whatever means it deems necessary to belittle the Christian in the public eye and to brainwash the public to stand against us. And there are so many examples that I could give you. But I'm going to give you just one that hits you real close to home. Several years ago... Pastor Charles McElhaney of the San Francisco Orthodox Presbyterian Church hired an organist for their church, who turned out to be a homosexual. Of course, the church released this man from employment, and immediately the man filed suit against the church. The news media went crazy. And one of the nicest things that they called Pastor McElhaney was a homophobic. They insinuated he was heartless and full of hate. His home was firebombed. His life and family was threatened. His life became a living hell. And even though he was one of the only pastors in all of San Francisco, going into the AIDS wards at local hospitals and witnessing to the patients of the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, The media made him out to be a monster. By God's grace, the church won their court case. But but financial and personal damage had already been done. The story was picked up by all the major news sources as a test for the homosexual cause. And they eventually brought down this very well-respected and loving minister of the Word of God. The point is, brothers and sisters, the way that humanists reach their goal is not only through biological engineering, but also through sociological transformation, by brainwashing the populace. So they are suspicious of Christians, even if they have to lie or destroy the reputation of someone to reach their goals. Then there is a third way in which the humanists reach their goals, and that is through status, political control of every aspect of our lives. You couple biological engineering with sociological transformation through public education and the media, along with control over every area of life by the federal government and the humanist goal of a man-centered and controlled society seems inevitable. And it's amazing how everyone seems to be influenced by humanism and believe that in one way or another, state control of our lives is good for us. After all, New Orleans can't be be rebuilt if the feds don't do it. And unless you are willing to give up more of your liberties, you can never be safe from terrorism Americans are being brainwashed to believe that the civil government is the cure-all to America's ills. In a world where God is irrelevant, totalitarianism is inevitable. In a world where God is no longer seen as the source of knowledge and the source of life, where man is seen as ultimate, you will have absolute control in the hands of the state, and the modern man will be God. So, what's the solution? This is a serious matter for us. The humanist are on the verge of controlling this hemisphere and beyond, reaching their goal of playing God. So what is the solution? Some say we need to start a new organization. There are many others saying we need to take over the Republican and Democratic parties. But these are nothing more than the goals of conservative humanists. So what is the solution? We see a church in America that is rent asunder with all kinds of diversity and controversy and rivalries. We see a hemisphere that is on the verge of a massive takeover of the hearts and institutions of its people. Do we need more organizations? Do we need some politician to come in riding on a white horse to solve our problems? No. This is what the Word of God says. For the preaching... Of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. There's your solution. Do we not want one great United Church in the United States that no one on earth can totally control or manipulate except Christ through His Spirit and His Word? Do we not want this hemisphere free of totalitarianism and all the evils connected with it? Well, the solution is the renewal of the preaching of a crucified Christ, not new organizations. Not political candidates. Not more funding of existing organizations. But a renewal of the preaching of the cross without compromise. That is the solution for the disunity in the church. That is the solution to broken relationships. And that is the solution to halting the advance of humanism in our culture. You know Paul makes an astounding statement in verse 17. He says in various other places in his epistles that the sacraments are important. In fact, he says the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper are essential to living the Christian life. And without baptism, you should be suspicious of whether or not you are a Christian at all. But then he makes this dramatic statement. Christ did not call me to baptize. But to preach the gospel. As essential as baptism and the Lord's Supper are, the preaching of the gospel is infinitely more important in the unification of the church and the destruction of humanism in our culture. But one of the tragic things we find in the church today is the return to liturgical service where the emphasis is on the Lord's table and not on this pulpit. It is not by accident, here at Reformed Heritage Church, that the pulpit is at the center of worship, and when the Lord's Supper is served, the table is below. Because the great emphasis of Protestantism is the priority of the preached Word of God. As important as the sacraments are, they literally have no meaning without the preaching of the Gospel. The powerful preaching of the infallible word of Almighty God is the only thing powerful enough to stop the deadly spread of humanism. And our text gives us three reasons why this is true. And if you will please, allow me to present just one of these reasons before we close. Number one, it is because the way the preached word divides the human race. Notice what verse 18 says. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. You see, one of the things the Bible teaches is that historical, the historical events of Christ's death and resurrection were the turning point of all history. And because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a new and ultimate division among mankind has taken place. The old division between Jews and Gentiles is finished. That is not the basic distinction any longer. The ultimate distinction in the whole human race was caused by Calvary and an open, empty tomb. And that new distinction in the human race, that the preaching of the cross, the historical event that Calvary creates, is between those who are perishing because God judges their rebellion and their refusal to repent and those who are being saved because at the cross their sins were judged and removed and forgiven by grace through faith. That is the dividing point. It is not some doctrine. It is not some political party. It is not the sacraments. The event that has ultimately separated the whole human race is the cross of Calvary between those who are perishing and those who are being saved by that cross and the preaching of it. And it is not the actual preaching that causes the division. It is the cross. It is the crucified Christ. In John 12, Christ said, Now is the crisis of the world. Now is the judgment of the whole world. I didn't come to bring peace, he says. I came to bring a sword to separate the human race. Now here's what preaching does. The preaching of the crucified Christ identifies and polarizes the saved and the unsaved in a culture. And that's why it's so powerful. So for the next couple of Sundays after I return, we are going to consider why the preaching of the cross is the only solution to the advance of humanism in our culture. Because the preaching of the cross identifies, brings to light, and polarizes in time and history in a culture the perishing from the saved. And there are numerous verses in the Bible that illustrate or speak of how the preached word polarizes. It does not unite a culture that is not Christian. It brings disharmony to a disbelieving culture. And it brings disharmony to a church that is filled with false views of Christ and His work. And yet if it does not polarize and sift people, then it is not faithful preaching. When we get together next time, we will consider two more reasons our text gives for why the preaching of the gospel is the only thing powerful enough to bring humanism to its demise. Until then, remember, the preached word is a savor of life to some, and is a savor of death unto death for others. Faithful preaching separates the sheep from the goats, and that is why the church must be united in love and the truth of God, found
1: in His Word alone. Amen. 408- Midweek services, 7.15 Wednesday evenings, again, at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Again, directions and information can be found at 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.